0: The only purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. The views expressed in this program are the opinions, experiences, and conclusions of the guests. They do not represent the official policy or position of the Space Tweak Society as a whole, NASA, any other space agency, company, contractor, or affiliate. to the Talking Space Podcast. As always, I am joined by Gene McCulka. Welcome, Gene. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you. Glad to be here. Also by Gina Herlihy. Welcome, yourself. Thanks a lot, Sawyer. And Mark Ratterman. Welcome. More fun than a barrel of monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) And I am Sawyer Rosenstein, and I'm not as exciting as a barrel of monkeys, but... We will be with you today for the Talking Space podcast, and today's main topic is what has happened the last week, not just the STS-129 launch, but what went along with it, and that was the NASA STS-129 launch tweet-up, and our very own Gene McCulloch and Mark Ratterman were both there, so if you guys want to talk a little bit about it and what your experiences were, I think we'd all love to hear that. You know, I learned one thing
1: pretty quick that uh, walking into the Kennedy Space Center or the Visitor Center and, and the desk where you check in and you get your, get your tweet up, tag, ID and all, is that um, you want to get there first. Because, you know, <laughs> we, walked, we walked in this room that I knew they were going to have Wi-Fi and they were going to have power available for us. But I walked in that room, and it's like, golly gee, this is super big tables, lots of space, Wi-Fi, AC plug-ins. And just about all the tables were full. And, <laughs> and we were there, uh, you know, 30 minutes before the start time, maybe a little bit better than that. And I thought, oh, gee, how am I going to find Gene? How am I going to find these other people that I've never even seen? And, uh, and we did, and it didn't take long. Oh no, what a what a room I mean just uh, I wish you could have walked in I know you were probably there early right
2: I guess we were there about maybe 45 minutes ahead of schedule uh they kind of ushered us ushered us into the uh, the Kirk Dedis uh, auditorium there and again I was really really impressed with the with the setup I think the real big deal too was finding people that you had not you know you've only been writing to or sending emails to and so on but actually going ahead and and pressing the flesh and, and meeting all these folks and just talking to them in person was just an incredible experience you know in the beginning of this thing and just being able to share it with this crew was also just amazing the talent and the um just the knowledge and and just the personalities that we've kind of sort of run into each other on twitter through you know the space tweet society and so on has just been absolutely phenomenal i mean i i've I've just made, I feel like I've made a hundred new friends. I mean, it's, it was that kind of, kind of weekend. Yeah, it definitely was. In fact, I've, I've
1: been seeing this and probably uh, many other people that were there seeing the same thing that they're looking at their Twitter uh, followers and, and everybody's picking up followers. I mean, I, I went through and, and tried to, um, to pick up people that were part of the, uh, the space tweet society as well. And I couldn't find them all beforehand and, Um, You know, it's just it's so much fun to find more people that have this this common interest that we've got with space and NASA and man man
2: flight. And I think, too, um, even though we were just like, you know, Alice through the looking glass, if if I can be so bold, I think on the other end, too, uh, for for the NASA folks, I think it also gave them a shot in the arm to realize that, hey, there is a huge group of people out there that A, care about what they're doing, and B, care enough to, to use their own resources to come down here and, and witness a, a rather extraordinary event. So I, I think really it, it gave them a, a huge shot in the arm to see all these folks over there.
1: Oh, definitely. And, and I think they said that there were people from, uh, what, 21 states, the District of Columbia, and, um, and then so. the international visitors to uh, New Zealand, Morocco… I
2: mean that that is just that is just amazing.
1: Oh, it's an incredible commitment. I mean, you're talking about money, you're talking about time, and even though you know we we sort of knew when the launch was going to be in the tweet up. I think shortly after registration, didn't they shift it by a few days or a week?
2: That's correct. I think it was supposed to be initially on the uh, on the twelfth on the eleventh and twelfth, and I think it shifted back over to the uh, what was it the fifteenth and the sixteenth. Yeah, you know, so it. it you're right they did shift that so it it actually saved me you know in a way um and we had a good what about um i think we were supposed to be there what about seven they they had people coming in for their badges and all that about seven o'clock and the program started at eight so we had a good 45 minutes at least you know our our merry band of uh space enthusiasts had about a good 45 minutes to go ahead and mull around and and try to find folks that we hadn't seen before so they really had a good star-studded uh presentation i think john yembrick who was sort of the master of ceremonies that day uh who's a nasa pao used the uh, analogy for and and forgive me if i'm wrong mark if i recall he kind of used that the, the the conan o'brien analogy where he every night he says yeah this is going to be the best show ever and all this and well in reality it really was the best show ever i mean they are the, the first speaker was, uh, again, John Cowart, who was, he did work not only on the Ares 1X, but he was also, he's also responsible, He's one of the managers who was responsible for integrating the entire shuttle stack together. And he gave a real good, fantastic talk on integrating the shuttle and how it all works and how, you know, getting the, the stack together and getting it out to the pad and all the logistics involved in doing that. That was a, just a, a beautiful, wonderful talk on that.
1: Yeah, they picked a good uh, good topic to present to us because that was something that you, you see bits and pieces. And, and that's really where the uh, NASA tweet up excelled because they, they were telling us in a lot of cases things that we knew a little bit about or maybe that we had heard of. And so it wasn't completely strange, but to get the blanks filled in, to get, uh, to get the elaboration on the flame trench and on the process of, of what happens with launch. Uh, what happens with integrating all the components together in the VAB to, to get the shuttle stack ready to roll out to the pad? Even talking about the transporter and, and moving it out there.
2: Exactly. Then, then the next speaker was Wayne Hale. I mean, wow, telling us a little bit about what happens on orbit from the ground aspect. The perfect gentleman to do that, too. I and mean, this is a man who grew up, I believe he started off in mission control as a propulsion officer and just moved up through the ranks and, and became a flight director. And then um, after uh, Columbia accident in uh, 2003, he was appointed, uh, you know, head of the uh, shuttle mission management team, and is now, um, I think, his title is associate director for associate uh, administrator for strategic for strategic planning. There I said it. But um, a brilliant guy, and, and you get the idea, you know, he's he's sort sort of this this mild mannered engineer who would much rather be an engineer than, than a policymaker, but this is just where his space program says that they want him, and he's, he's gladly undertaking the task with a smile. But he had some very, very fascinating insights on what life is like uh, on orbit from a mission control aspect, and I thought that was a really, really great plus to have. And after that was, uh, if I believe, Mike Massimino, who gave a very interesting talk on what it's like on orbit. From the astronaut standpoint, and uh, that's, that's that's the first
1: time I've seen him. But uh, I understand you've uh, you've run into him before.
2: Yeah, we he was um, well he was uh, since uh, the very well the well the second tweetup occurred in in Washington D.C. and NASA headquarters, and um, the tweet-up guests for that one was the crew of STS-125, and Mike Massimino was uh, part of that crew, so I, I met him there. And uh, yeah, I ran into him again this past Friday here in New York when he was talking on the USS Intrepid in conjunction with the 40th anniversary of of Apollo 12 and what uh, the USS Intrepid called NASA Weekend. And uh, I I, I run into him again. I shake his hand and I I confessed. I said, Mike, you're going to think I'm some sort of stalker or something. And he just kind of laughed at that, which was kind of, you know, which was kind of funny. Um, but again, he's a very, very elo- eloquent guy and, and a real, real, you know, forgive me, forgive the phrase, down to earth type of type of person. And um, he he can really, really give a good uh, good speech. And uh, if if you do get a chance to anybody out there, if you hear him, good you know, old Astro Mike there talking in your neighborhood, please go because uh, I think you're in for a rare treat.
1: Gina, was he one of the astronauts you've met
2: at the events you've been to?
3: I have never met Mike Massimino. No. Uh,
2: make, it, have, make it a point to do so, Gina. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's, he's a real cool guy, seriously. I,
0: I voted for his tweet for best tweet of the year.
2: Yeah, I think that makes a whole bunch of us on this end.
0: Yeah, I think we all have at one point.
2: Um, I think that, uh, Mark, forgive me for, if I'm wrong, the next speaker was from, from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory.
1: Um, That's right. She uh, was sitting at our table, in fact, Veronica McGregor.
2: Yeah, yeah, she's 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 actually. Um, uh, I've had some you know professional involvement with her. Uh, she's leading the the charge on some of the second life uh, initiatives that NASA's undertaking. But in all honesty, if it wasn't for Victoria, none of this, none of these tweet ups would be happening because she was the one who literally pioneered a lot of what NASA's doing on social media. She, uh, I believe, was in charge of leading the charge for the uh, for Twitter on the Mars Phoenix mission. Right, she
1: did. In fact, uh, I in talking with her, I said, "So you were part of the team doing the the Twitter posts for Mars Phoenix?" She said, "I was the team doing those posts," and it was like, "Wow!" You know, to me that was just fascinating because she asked the question for the group. There. She said, how many people remember Mars Phoenix and followed it on Twitter? And lots of hands went up. And uh, in, in fact, I think that I was amongst the the group that I really caught, uh, NASA caught my eye with Mars Phoenix. You know, turns out that the Phoenix lander had more than 600 updates. And uh, NASA actually won a, uh, a Shorty Award for uh, Producers of best short content on Twitter during 2008. And, yeah. you know, that, that was her. That was her little, little bit of genius to, to Twitter in the first person and to, to make that as, as captivating and interesting.
2: Exactly. And, and I, I thought, you know, they ran into an interesting problem, she said, if I recall, as the probe was, was kind of sort of, well, you know, losing power and was eventually going to cease to uh, transmit any more data. They were like, "Okay, this thing is on its way out, and a lot of people are getting really attached to it. Mm-hmm. How does she handle the idea that this thing is just going to peter out and go away?" And I thought she did that quite elegantly. Um, and I think the, the the last tweet that she fired off as Mars Phoenix, I thought, was absolutely ingenious.
3: I'm not familiar with it, Gene. Can you share it?
2: Sure, I thought okay, sure. It was a, a binary message. Which oh, cool! Th- if you decode it, just was one word. Mark, remember what that was? Victory. A triumph. Oh, triumph! Oh, yes. How could I?
1: <laughs> okay. And I
2: thought that was so ingenious the way she ended that.
1: So, you know, I flunked that test. I'm I'm looking back for uh, for some of the tweets, and the the account is still open.
2: Uh, yeah, it's still there.
1: The most recent one was. Uh, Burr, postcards from Mars show a frosty phoenix on the north polar plains during Martian winter, and there's a link to a picture. And then uh, asterisk, waves, asterisk. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, And the last speaker for the day um, was an old favorite, and Gina, I believe you know this gentleman too, uh, uh, Mr. Miles O'Brien, formerly of CNN, now of uh, Spaceflight Now. And uh, he gave it a really, really candid talk about his experiences over at CNN. And I thought, I, I kind of laughed a little bit. He asked how many people watch Science and Technology Week, you know, when, 18, when he was doing it and AT&T was sponsoring it. And just about every hand in the room went up. And he asked how many people are watching CNN now. And I heard crickets in the room. So um, that kind of tells you something about, you know, the the viewer, you know, the the viewership on on, at least among this community of of CNN. But he really gave a, a rather candid view of how the mainstream media deals with science and technology. And it was none too pretty, if I recall.
3: Mark, do you remember what he said? Did he say anything else? That's certainly a topic near and dear to my heart.
2: Yeah, I knew you wanted to jump in on that one there, Gina. Go, go
1: ahead, Gina, because I've I've gotta say that as far as keeping up with uh, the speakers and Twitter and you know, I was uh, I was
2: severely uh over uh, overloaded for for keeping up. Yeah, Mark, Mark actually recorded, you know, audio recorded some of this. Mm-hmm. And- Yeah, I mean his 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 deal was um, he felt that the uh, that journalism today has gotten lazy in uh, treating uh, science and and technology. Nobody really wants to dig into the you know why does this work and ask the really hard hitting questions. It's been mostly, in his view, uh, a lot of puffball questions with reference to uh, you know folks like uh, again like CNN and and all that. And Gina, I know you have a lot to say about that one.
3: Well, it's not even hard-hitting questions, but I, I got to say, I was, um, I want to say maybe it was a mission that occurred at the end of the summer. And, you know, when when it landed, uh, the shuttle landed, you know, Fox had, um, it was on a split screen. And when the CNN reporters came back, it, oh, that's right, it was I think it was the Glenn Beck show. So, of course, they didn't dare take that off. I think that's their highest rated show mm-hmm. on a split screen the panel that was talking had no idea they were on a split screen and there was no voice over explaining the shuttle landing. It was just sort of there if you wanted to focus on it. CNN, the shuttle actually touched down when they were on commercial and when they came back, the reporters didn't even have anything good to say. I mean, they were making jokes about, Oh, I hope they know where to pick up their luggage and they I mean they had no preparation or sounded like they really didn't care. And it it was just sad. I mean, that is just sad. I think that was on, like, maybe the Campbell Brown show, I want to say, on CNN. It left a, a taste of pathetic in my mouth after it was all said and done. And as you know, I mean, you can watch NASA TV. There's probably 90 minutes of activity after a shuttle lands. The whole vehicle crew shows up. The jet bridge to the shuttle comes out the crew gets out they do the walk around there's congratulations the crew makes a mission you know a a statement the commander certainly has something to say you know there's a lot of activity that still goes on and you know that none of that gets captured at all
2: yeah that that was one of and again you hit it right on the head that was uh, one of miles o'brien's big you know issues there he felt that, you know, nobody really prepares and nobody really, you know, wants to really, really dig down deep and understand this so they can go ahead and convey to others what is actually going on. If you remember Walter Cronkite, shoot, he did that all the time. Ditto uh Frank McGee on NBC and uh, you know, uh Jules Bergman, who was really, really hard hitting and, and really, really rather pragmatic in a lot of his assessments. When like for instance during Apollo thirteen, he was he just mm-hmm. like it was. Um, didn't sugarcoat it a darn thing, and that style is gone, according to to Miles, and I have I am forced to agree with him on that, and that was yep. really really the 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 gist of his speech um, to all of us, and uh, he was he I mean I I wrote I recall writing after the speech was over, and I I told you know I write and I wrote to, on Twitter I said shoot this man is my new hero today. Because he exactly he, he told it exactly the way it is, and I, you know I, I basically told him don't stop doing it. I shook his hand. And I said don't stop doing it. So um,
0: that was the more
2: that was the morning, and we broke for lunch, and then we did the tour thing. Wait, but,
0: all that was only in the morning?
2: Yes, all of that. We were on a very very tight schedule. Yeah, we, it was it, just barely barely over two hours. Yeah, I mean, and they compressed so much in that in that two hour span of time, and they really stuck to it too. Uh, so we broke for uh, we broke for lunch. We had a few minutes to sort of hang out. Um, me, uh, Catherine, and uh, two other folks. I'm trying to remember who, who they were now. We all made a beeline for the shuttle launch experience, which was just insane.
0: Thank oh, you, Gina, was, and I was, asked you guys to ride in, so thank yes, you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah,
2: that was
1: that was my wife and I, Gene. We were we were tagging oh, along because right. uh, I I'd, I'd never been on that. My wife rode it the year before with some friends, and. Uh, I remember somebody... Oh, Sawyer, yeah, you said check out the uh, the narrator when you go in, right?
0: Yeah, Gina yeah. and I
1: both mentioned that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Charlie <laughs> is right Isn't there. he fantastic? It's like oh, yeah. television it's personality. Isn't he incredible? Yeah,
0: yeah I, that was so neat. And what did you guys think of the experience itself? Well, actually, I tried a little experiment while, while I was on there. While,
2: while we were doing the, the, quote, ascent, close quote, and we were experiencing the, uh, the initial Gs and so on, I pretended I was on the flight deck and I kind of was trying to go ahead and reach out and hit a, an imaginary switch that was in front of me. And that's a lot of work, okay? And I noticed Catherine doing the same thing and she, we, we were both talking about it afterward and it's like, yeah, that, that's a heck of a lot of work to do that, to reach up and, and just sort of, you know, try to hit something in front of you. So it, it it's... a uh, you know, I, I, from what people tell me, this is a rather, you know, high fidelity um, experience as far as what it's really like inside the inside the flight deck of the shuttle during ascent. Now, a few people are telling me they watered it down a little bit since it opened, but um, it's still almost, you know, it still gives you a pretty good idea of, of what it's like. And there's a lot of shaking and all this and you know, but but it, it's a heck of a lot of work to try to hit a switch in front of you. And I'm just picturing what these poor guys have to do on the flight deck when they're trying to actually, you know, hit something or 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 um, or have to have to manipulate something while they're on the flight deck during ascent. So it, it, it's a lot of work. That's
0: something That's I something. never thought to try and do.
2: Yeah, and and for folks that uh, really are in the area or really really want to try this, I really recommend they do it because uh, it's uh, it's really a cool experience. And of I really mean that. so so give it give it a shot. It's well worth it. So all right, after that, and we, we got a little little something to eat, you know, running around, and then we went off to, and did the tour thing. Um, some of it was, uh, you know, the usual stuff that you see um, if you were just, you know Joe tourist over there around the around KSC. But I think the, the pinnacle of that, that trip was going out to pad 39A. And we got, Mark, how close did we really get?
1: I have a hard time with distance, but uh, I, I'd have to say we were within a 1,000 feet, probably uh, 500. I, I'm not
2: sure. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, we got really, really close to the to uh, the stack. The uh, the RSA- So
3: they drove you behind like a secure area.
2: Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. But um, you don't normally get that close to, you know, the stack on, on you know, launch day minus one. The service structure was still covering the orbiter when we were out there, but right. it was still, you know, it was still raise, you know, the hairs in the back of your neck kind of stuff. Just looking at this thing, knowing what was going to happen to it the next day. And uh, I had never been that close before. And it was just, you know just sort of pinching yourself type stuff to, to make sure that you were actually there looking at this. Yeah, and to me, even more amazing is the fact that you're there, and in 24 hours, that was going to be, you know, launched. That was, Yeah, that was going to be gone. That was going to be, you know, in, in low Earth orbit, and those two boosters were going to be somewhere in the Atlantic waiting to be covered, and that large orange external tank, well, that's the last time you're ever going to see it again, so... Uh, it was just one of those one of those moments where you, know, you you really had to pinch yourself and say am I really here? Yeah, there was uh, one of the people
1: on the tweet up. They of course everybody's taking pictures and getting people to take pictures of you. And there was uh, one of the people there that got a picture jumping off the ground with, uh, you know, feet up and, and with the shuttle in the background. Oh, that, shoot.
0: I really wish I could see that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that picture. It's someone's profile picture.
2: It is. It's, it's uh, Heather M.G.
0: Oh, it's Heather? Oh, shoot. Yeah. I'll have to go ahead and take a look
2: at that. Darn yeah. it. Cool. cool picture. So that was really the pinnacle pinnacle of that day. And then uh, we kind of sort of all broke for a – oh, one other thing. We did get to see uh, uh, the Tranquility Node sitting over there at the, uh, the space station preparation area, uh, along with all four of the, uh, the MPLMs. But, uh, the, uh, it was neat to see actual flight hardware just sort of sitting there waiting there, just waiting to get into, uh, the payload deck. So, uh, we wrote, that was, that was essentially day one. Um, Mark, I think you made this observation before and, and forgive me for stealing it. Uh, they could have put us in, in some sort of field off to the side and we would have been happy but we got we got VIP treatment throughout the event and we got like the best seats in the house so to speak for the launch and they really didn't have to do that for us but they did and I you're talking to somebody here that, that that's just really excruciatingly appreciative of all the hard work that was put in for us I was
1: I was blown away on the bus trip when they said and off to the right that tent that's your that's your tweet up tent in fact somebody called it a twint yeah, <laughs> later
2: uh, on yeah the move, and that stuck I, I forget who that was I'm almost tempted to say Beth Beck said that but... <laughs>
0: I'm not sure but even on CNN they called it the twint
2: <laughs> yeah that that might be a that might have been a, a Beck Bethism I don't know I knew it was going to be a good location but I had no idea where
1: it was yeah so, I, I mean you we look were... to the left there's the VAB you look to the right there's
2: the launch viewing area. It's like, holy cow, this is great. Yeah, you know, we were looking at each other when, when we found out where where the where the tent was, where we where, where the laptops and all that were going to be set up. We kind of looked at each other like, oh my god, that's where we're going to be. The tents over below here, and and just to you know, off to the side, were all the press buildings, and that's how close we were and the area is literally three miles away from pad 39a so we had really really the best seats in the house we really did so we'll go over i'll fast forward to through through to launch day so we you know our team got out there right on you know right on schedule uh we were just about a little bit uh behind on our timeline but way ahead of time you know we were there within about i think they wanted us there within about an hour before we had to actually, you know, get over there, and we were we were right on time for that. But uh, we hopped on a, on the bus and got over there. We got in there and ushered us into that huge tent. Now I cheated a little bit. We got out there. Um, it was about ten o'clock, ten thirty, and we were told that after you know about ten thirty, the Astrovan was going to run by. And from what I heard, and I may be wrong on this. Somebody, forgive, you know, correct me if I am. Somebody had said that this was, you know, all the 95 of us that were sort of lined up, waiting for the astrovan to come by, was like the largest amount of folks they've had in recent memory for a for a crew coming by, which I thought was kind of cool that uh, we were going to give these guys a, a top brass send off, and you know, you know, hope, hoping that that everything went well. So the astrovan pulls up, and uh, the door is still open, and I'm hoping to God that those guys heard heard all the applause and. <laughs> all the well, all the shout outs to them there was one one moment that i'm cheering i'm yelling and cheering out there and you can see there's somebody sitting over there there's a pumpkin suit looking back at me and i just fire the thumbs up and i got the th- i got one back from somebody in there and it was just that was a, such a neat moment for me and that's one of the <laughs> moments i'm gonna i'm gonna take back from with me forever i'm gonna hang on to that wow yeah, so somebody saw me doing that. I don't know who it was, but I'm, and I hope I'll find out eventually. But, um, you know, they go ahead, they let the dignitaries off, and the Astrovan rolls rolls onto the pad 39A, and, you know, I hope they all knew that we were all there and, and, and cheering them on and, and really, really hoping for, for a successful flight. So that must have made them feel pretty good, too, made mm-hmm. the, all of us lined up like that.
1: Yeah, I, I would hope so, because I think, uh, you know, Gina, Sawyer, all of us, if there was a way that uh, we could personally, you know, cheer the astronauts on, we'd be doing it, definitely.
2: Oh, door. oh, no yeah. questions asked. But the way I cheated was this. I think it was about 12 o'clock. Um, I was firing some updates off, and something occurred to me that, you know, I'm not going to be here again. I'm going to go out and see what's going on over there and see what what, what it's really, really like. So I, I, I keyed in, I said, you, you know, I'm, I'm going offline, you may or may not hear from me again until after T-Zero. I went out back over to the clock. Now, I'm skipping a couple of things, guys. They did take a group picture um, earlier that day, I think it was like maybe 10 o'clock before the Astrovan came by.
0: Right, actually they showed uh, you guys as a group while you were getting ready to take the picture. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, they showed a quick uh, shot of it on NASA TV. They did. I was Excellent. trying to pick people out, and I couldn't, but I remember they did a quick flash of it.
2: They did. Excellent. Okay, I was just wondering how this was being perceived out there. So
0: Yeah, there were a couple of times where people said on Twitter, look for me out by the clock, and <laughs> I'd be watching and seeing if I could see them, and I would put a little note like wave, and maybe I'll see you. Fortunately, I think I maybe saw one or two people only, but still.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, let me go fast forward here again. So as lunchtime. I, time drew we had our spot staked out pretty much right at the edge of the banana river and uh the 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 t-minus nine point comes and and goes and i'm looking around and you know the cloud there were some cumulus clouds um to the west earlier but those look like they blew away we had some wind over there but it really wasn't all that much and i'm and i'm looking at by this time some other members of our our team are sort of you know, right next to us again, and I'm looking around at everybody, and I'm like, shoot, we're actually going to go today, because we were having some questions of whether, we're, whether or not we were going to go today, but I'm looking around, and I'm like, shoot, we're really going to do this. We get to uh, the launch, and um, I don't know if you folks have, have experienced one of these, but it's very interesting the way it, it all happens. First, you see, the, you see the steam going off in the background, that's what you first see when, when all engines start its steam from the uh, the water sound suppression system just sort of rising up and then you see the thing go off It, it leaves the pad rather rather rapidly but you still don't hear anything it takes a little bit for that sound to travel the three miles across the banana river but once it does you don't really hear it you feel it I mean it really really hits you right dab smack in the chest and you're watching this thing and it's like a second sunrise it's like a mid-afternoon sunrise going off. I mean, it's just, just amazing. And also, you know, yelling at the top of my lungs there, you know, you know, you know, come on, climb up the darn, and climb up that damn hill um, to the orbiter. Um, just, you know, sort of, it's sort of like a throwback to to Apollo doing that. But um, I was trying to to really, really experience the sounds and the smells of this whole thing. So, Mark, if there's anything else you want to add as far as your experience, you know, watching the launch. Just kind of a reflection back, uh, growing up,
1: I saw two of the Apollo launches. Uh, one was a daytime launch, and one was a night launch. That I no was a way.
3: Kid. You oh, were at yeah. Apollo 17? 17. Apollo
1: 17?
3: Oh, oh, wow.
1: You <laughs> were no, not no, no. lucky. No, no, wait a minute. I, I saw Apollo launches. <laughs> I saw two of them. I saw one that was a daytime launch, and I saw one that was a night launch. And the night launch uh, my, my parents had actually given up cause I guess there were delays and yeah. we started to head back down the coast cause we lived in South Florida. And I guess, uh, I guess my dad heard something on the radio and we pulled off the side of the road and got out of the car and turned around and looked back and, you know, me, I don't know how far 10, 20 miles back, you know, was the pad and, you know, here goes the, uh, the Saturn five going off. So I'm remembering, you know, the two Apollo launches that I saw as a kid And then my wife and I saw STS-1 in 1981, and we were in uh, Titusville around US-1, and I remember the sight, but I don't remember the sound like we heard at the press site. The whole feel of the launch was what you saw, which was just so over-the-top for being able to describe it For, for visual. The sound of it was incredible, but then the feel, because you actually felt parts of this part of the, the vibration and the thunder, I guess, if you want to call it that in your body. And, uh, you know, it, it had you, it had you, you, you weren't going to stand there and not, <laughs> and not watch.
0: Mark, I got a quick question for you. Yeah. Cause I've spoken to a couple of people that have seen both an Apollo launch and a shuttle launch. And they've said that when you watch the shuttle launch, it's wimpy compared to the Apollo Saturn five launches <laughs> from your viewing point at, uh, the press site where you guys were comparing it to both of the Apollo launches that you saw, was it much wimpier?
1: I don't remember well enough to say. I'd, I'd love to give you an answer one way or the other. Uh, at this point, I'd have to go look and see who had the most pound million pounds of thrust.
0: <laughs> oh, it's definitely the Saturn V from what heard, <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely. There are many people that have said that when they saw the shuttle launch, it was kind of like, you know, with the other one, no matter where you were, you saw it and felt it right away. You felt the heat. You felt the energy coming from it, from the shuttle. It's like depending on where you are, yeah, you got to be in the exact right spot to get the same kind of feeling.
1: Yeah, I, I think one of the people there told us, they said, well, you know, depending on wind direction will depend on, on how much you hear. And I think we had a bit of a crosswind, so I, Gene, I don't believe we actually got the full volume of the the sound of the of the launch.
2: If that wasn't the full volume, I'd i I'd, I'd hate to venture to guess what it, what what the full volume would be.
1: Yeah, we, we had close to a ninety degree crosswind, maybe not quite ninety degrees from us, and it was probably in the neighborhood of ten knots, I would guess. And uh, yeah, so
0: I guess we got to go back, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Good Lord, I hope we have the opportunity to do it. There's only five left, boys and girls.
0: Which is why I am already making plans to see STS-130, and if not, 131. Please, Sawyer, you got to do it, man. I'm telling you.
2: By hey, the way, quick sorry.
0: question for both of you guys. I know Gene's answer, but what do you guys remember being your first reaction? You, you know, like some people will shout things out when they see amazing things. What do you guys remember shouting out as the shuttle launched? For me...
2: There were, there were t- the things that were going through my head and I'm going to steal something from Sharissa after the launch, after it all happened, because I think this really, really sums up the entire two days. She looked at me and said, did that just really happen? And um, I think that those words, you know, did we really just see that? I, I-, I think those words really really sum up the entire two days because that's exactly what everybody was asking themselves i think in one way shape or another with everything that was really really going on around them you know did we really just meet these these people did we really just see all of this did we really were we able really just to touch all of this and i think that was really really the, the what what really summed up the entire entire experience but yeah i remember You know, kind of likened myself, you know, just shouting that, shouting at the thing to go, you know, just saying go and, you know, sort of trying to to urge the thing on saying, you know, you know, come on, baby, get up that hill.
0: Yes, uh, because actually, the reason I was hinting at that is because I'm looking at an article from uh, Space Ref Canada. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that's that's Elizabeth. She heard she she quoted me right. Yes.
0: Yep, she quoted <laughs> you saying climb that hill, baby.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um yeah, that's that's exactly what I was I was shouting. I mean, I was I was just trying to, you know, in in my own in my own sort of sweet way, I guess I was just trying to, you know, ed, you know, just urge Atlantis right into orbit if, if if I could. You know, if I could throw the thing into orbit, I could. I just want to make sure that that thing got that eight mile that eight minute ride was uh, was successful.
0: And Mark, unfortunately, I don't have a quote from you on some article, but still, that's, what what were you saying when that, you that's saw very it?
1: that's very observant on your part. Uh, there was no quote because I was speechless. Uh, literally, I I I don't think I I uttered a peep, not a thing. And uh, it was one of those things that you know your your, your brain is is seeing it, and hearing it, and feeling it, and processing processing it. And there's a lump in your chest, like, when you have one of these emotional things that just kind of grabs you inside. And uh, that's where I was. And Elizabeth Howell,
2: she was she was right next to me, and she didn't hear me say anything. I was kind of struck dumb. I, I will say there wasn't a dry eye in the house. I mean, I think we were all kind of welled up a little bit. Um, you know, it was really, really an emotional experience. And the other thing, too, is I heard, you know, a lot of applause afterward but we weren't to the two minute point yet and i was still holding my breath i hold my breath at every launch until those solids go and we we weren't there yet and uh you could see the solids i mean i I did see them go just briefly there were two small no small dots just sort of parting the ways Mm -hmm. uh you can you know it's one of those things though if you blink you miss it and I was just lucky enough to see that those two small dots just pull away from 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 the from the rest of the stack, and that's when I was breathing a little easier. I and mean, I, I, I hold my breath until those things go. As soon as they go, you know I'm I'm, I'm feeling a little better about uh, about you know getting into orbit. But our our little merry band of folks um, uh, was Tiffany Titus, Sharissa, um, um, Catherine, Mark, and a uh, few others, we kind of stood there and waited until we heard that one call, you know, main engine cutoff, uh, ohms one not required. Uh, as soon as we heard that, we knew we were in orbit. And that's basically, we stayed, That we stood there the entire eight minutes until we heard that call. Yeah,
1: you know, just an observation, uh, you know, I've seen, you know, parts of some of the launch videos that NASA has up, and there's sort of a disconnect. I'm watching... You know their their camera that's on the SRB or, or the external tank, and there's a disconnect for me watching it. It's like, okay, I know that was what I saw launch, but but that wasn't what I saw launch.
2: <laughs> I know, I was thinking the same thing. You know what was really interesting? Um, uh, to uh, we're, we're recording this on uh, f- just for reference on Sunday, November twenty second. And the uh, SRB films just came back uh, today, and they were played on NASA television. I had a chance to catch them before coming on here. What was really, really cool was one, one, the one shot of, uh, of the SRB cam looking up at the orbiter. You could actually see the orbiter going through, Mark, if you recall, those two clouds that the orbiter went through during ascent. You could actually see the it clou- going through the clouds. Um, or you could actually see the the orbiter, you know, getting hit by by the cloud and going back up and through uh, on that cam. And if you remember exactly during ascent, it kind of illuminated those clouds during ascent,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and yeah. some people captured that really really nicely on on on, uh, on photography. And I'm I was just following that and going there it is. That's the point, you know. I kind of looked at these uh, at the sts one twenty nine uh, SRB films a little differently than than I did in previous missions because you know you were there and you know you could tell the little nuances and things like that going on.
0: Wow, it really must have left some impact if you can actually remember exactly how many clouds and where they were during the launch
2: it did yeah i mean i could it went through two clouds and uh i was like my god <laughs> because as it went through the cloud the cloud itself illuminated because of the you know the flame coming from the back of the orbiter and it was just such a just a, oh, a indescribable sight to see it really was there was a lot of folks over there that took a lot of photographs i left my camera back at the tent And I did that deliberately because of uh two things. One, it broke. (laughs) Two but but the second one I was following um what uh NASA outreach uh director Beth Beck had said. Leave the camera there. You know, just absorb what you're seeing. Just go ahead and watch it. You know, there'll be pictures you know, NASA usually has pictures out later, but just absorb it. You know, just just sort of appreciate what you're looking at and, and so I, I probably would have taken her advice anyway and left the camera behind and sort of, you know, sort of sponged off of everybody else taking photographs, you know, because they were going to go ahead and share them anyway. Um, Mark, if I'm not mistaken, there's about maybe oh, almost almost 3,000 photographs on Flickr right now. Yeah, they- I
1: I saw when it hit a thousand, then somebody posted 2,000. It wouldn't surprise me there's three because. I'm seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter that people are saying, yeah, just now going through my photos, plan to upload them soon. Yeah.
2: The other thing, too, that surprised me was that essentially we were the story to that day. And it was just a little unnerving. So I, I I never really thought I was going to have all these microphones thrust in my face at any given point. I was asked to give like maybe two or three interviews for some blogs and stuff like that. And Catherine, bless her heart, she sort of got pulled into an interview with John John Zarello from CNN. Um, and uh, she also I thought she, I, I, saw, I saw that interview for the first time a couple just like two days ago. And I thought she did a pretty she acquitted herself pretty well in that, but I think i I didn't miss out on uh, on seeing all this wildlife in and around uh, the the, uh, the 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 launch area and uh, that was amazing It's not every day up here in New Jersey that you go ahead and see pelicans and manatees and things like that so it was it was still kind of a neat neat thing to do and uh, that's a
1: credit to NASA for their stewardship of the property too. Exactly and, uh, they've, d- they've done well that's not easy to do to have industry is what it amounts to coexisting with uh, the variety of wildlife they have
2: yeah exactly Mark I couldn't have said it any better I mean that, that is really really a salute to NASA themselves as far as uh, you know having all this technology again all this technology around and still have wildlife flourish in the area I just thought that was really really cool
0: by the way, uh, did you guys get to
2: see any eagles while you were there yes, there was one eagle's nest.
0: Yeah, because I remember when I went on the bus tour, there were a couple of eagles nests, and we actually got lucky enough to see an eagle in one of them.
3: They always point one out um, if you're driving back from the shuttle landing facility, sort of on the right hand side. I think as you pass the turnoff, that would take you to the VAB and that's, heading back I, to the visitor center.
2: That's right, Gina. That's exactly where it was. Now I remember, and uh, I think there was still um, some. Uh, I think there was still a couple of eagles running around in that area, if I'm not mistaken, there, Mar.
1: Yeah, and actually, I'm saying I saw an eagle. Not to uh, not to make you envious, but I'm pretty sure I saw one south of Gainesville, Florida, on 441. Uh, middle of last week when I was coming back from where I'd been working
2: back into Gainesville. Okay, that's it. I'm moving. Anyway. <laughs> come on, come on, damn. <laughs> but um, there's there's three thank yous, you know, as to why this thing, or, or three points as to why this thing works so well this particular event. One was the event itself, the launch of, 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 of a space shuttle. That is just an amazing thing to see anyway. And gang, you know, to anybody listening to this, if you have the opportunity, there are five flights left. Please, by all means, take it because you're in for quite an experience. Um, two was NASA itself. They really, really rolled out the red carpet for us. There wasn't I mean they didn't have to do all this this huge program for us and they did and the the people that they had doing over there to talk to us were giants in the field and again they didn't have to go ahead and plan this the way they did but they did they went out of their way to make sure that we got the most out of this and gosh darn it they they pulled that off also where we're, where we were at again we could have been a, a, on in some kind of field off to the side and a whole bunch of us would have been happy. No. They gave us front row seats to this thing right by the historic you know, iconic countdown clock, which I remember from, from a little kid. And I'm sitting there. There's a picture of I have a photograph of, of, of myself sitting there, um, standing right near this thing. And I'm, I'm pinching myself. I'm going, am I really here? Because I remember looking at this thing growing up when I was little and you know, just I mean, to me, this meant the Kennedy Space Center, and there, you know, we have assorted photographs of, of 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 members of our of our little little team over there next to the clock, and and you know, I, I look at them now, and I'm like, my God, were we really still there? I mean, it, it, it's it's just one of those pinch yourself kind of things. But um, again, they really went out of out of their way to give us front row seats to this this historic event. And again, thank you. They thank you a huge thank you to NASA for for what what they did for us. But the third component, and 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 Mark, I'm really stealing your thunder here, were the people in this group, and they really made the difference. I mean, there, there's I've never been to about maybe three of these events now and there i've never met one person where i say i I don't like them there are so many talented so many you know gifted people in 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 this little twitter follower following here that it just amazes me the amount of brain power and and just goodwill that 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 is intrinsic to this group and I, I say to the 100 participants in this whole thing, you know, again, to you, thank you, because it was, it was because due to you guys that this, this
1: re- that worked out really well, too. I'd like to add on to that in talking about the people, the, uh, the, uh, the tweet-up participants. Um, here's an example. I'm not going to say who. You know who you are. But somebody just posted uh, grumble, grumble on their Twitter feed. And, and my reaction to that is this is somebody that I've gotten to know. This is somebody that I want to have things be the best for. And for someone that prior to a week ago I had never actually met in person, never talked to, uh, like we're talking on this on our, on our panel, you know, to have that change of not just one but, but as many people as I got to talk to and people that I didn't but you know you you really get a feel for what folks are like you get it through Twitter and through an event like this you get an even added dimension to it and so uh, you know I agree 100 percent It's those three components that made it as great as it was and if you would taken any one of them out I don't think you'd have had the experience that that everyone had today to where when you look on Twitter and you see somebody say I can't believe that it's been a week and, and I remember where I was a week ago and what I was doing And you wouldn't have that connection. So, uh, you know, I know NASA couldn't have have planned that, but they picked such a wonderful mix of people that uh, I'm glad they they did an excellent job. Hats off to the the NASA TweetUp crew, all the public affairs
0: people that uh, supported it. And I'd say with that, I think we should wrap this baby up. Hey, wait a
3: minute, Sawyer. Speaking of babies, um, we probably should just, Give a shout-out to little Abigail, who was born while her dad was um, walking in space. Abigail Abigail May Bresnick was born uh, Saturday. Yep,
0: at um, 12.04 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.
3: Yep, and Daddy, I guess, we will see her um, after landing, after a few days. And uh, congratulations to Mike Bresnick and family. Or Randy Bresnick, sorry.
2: Indeed. Um, welcome to the world, little Abigail, and I'm sure Daddy is going to give you one heck of a hug when he, when he gets back home.
0: All then. So with that, I'm going to give our big uh, space tweeps a hug now. <laughs> so, uh, Gene, thank you for being on once again. Thank you, sir. Gina, thank you again. Anytime, sir. And Mark, thank you as well.
1: Thanks, sir. It's
0: been a lot of fun. Gene, Mark, I'm glad you enjoyed the tweet-up. Gina and I need to join you next time. Definitely. You have to. You have to. And so with that, once again, as always, I will say thank you for making this a success. If you were at the tweet up or you have any comments about anything that we mentioned here, you can just send us an email. It can either be text or a short MP three with your voice. Remember the email address is spacetweepodcast S-P-A-C-E-T-W-E-E-P podcast at gmail dot com. That's S P A C E T W E E P podcast at Gmail dot com. Or you could send it to us on our new Twitter account, which is at talking space so remember to follow that and once again as always we hope you have a great day evening night afternoon or whatever it may be where you are